Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust, a podcast for digital transformation leaders where we discuss the latest cyber attack issues, enterprise security strategies, and current security events so that you can successfully accelerate network and security transformation. And now here's what's on our mind this week. Welcome back everybody to another episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Trust. It's a podcast for technology leaders with listeners in over 50 countries in the world. I'm so glad to be here again with you. I'm Pam Kubiatowski, your host. And today it's an exciting topic. I know I tell you this every time we do a podcast, but I love this topic and user experience monitoring and no better than Krishnan B, I'm going to say, because I'm going to have Krish actually say his own last name for you because I have butchered it horribly, this poor guy. I apologize, Krish. Can you say your last name? There's no need for you to apologize. I was having more fun just hearing you try and pronounce it than anything else. Um, so great to be here, uh, Krishnan Badri in the Rhineland. And uh, I don't want to put you on the spot to have you pronounce it again, but uh, that was a that was a valiant, uh, you know, valiant effort by you. <laughs> oh, if you all would have heard how I butchered it, I'm sorry. But Krish is the VP of Product Management here at Zscaler responsible for our digital experience monitoring platform and the future of it. And so before we jump in, though, Chris, can you give us a little insight into your background first? Of course. Uh, so way, way, way back when, I won't, I won't say how far back, uh, I was a software developer and then decided I just enjoyed the intersection between creating software and how it actually addressed you know, customer pain points and delivered business results, right? So that's when I moved into product marketing. And I've been with small and medium-sized companies, largely in the area of IT operations management and IT service management. And most recently, prior to Zscaler, I was with Nutanix, which was an infrastructure, a cloud infrastructure company. And the other companies, specifically around ITOM and ITSM, were, you know, other recognizable names like Dynatrace and Riverbed and such. So I thoroughly enjoy this this category, especially district experience monitoring. And I'm delighted to be able to continue that quest to help our customers and yourselves get greater insights so that you're able to keep your businesses, especially the digital side of it, running 24 by 7. That's where I'm at. That's great. I didn't realize you came from Nutanix. I did. I did. That's awesome. It was, yeah. Yeah, great company. <laughs> Absolutely. So for a lot of our listeners who may be in a role that actually feel the daily pain end users feel, right? Like the help desk or desktop teams or, or near dear to my heart, network team. You know, those are the groups that hear from end users who are frustrated, who are who, who, who can't get something done. Something's broken, right? But for others who don't feel that end user pain, right? Unless it's their own experience and they're the ones having latency or they're having... They can't get to something or, or something's working. They understand at that moment why, you know, what's happening. And m many of us will talk about the fact of understanding why it's so important nowadays to, to ensure a positive end user experience. But can you elaborate a little bit on that? And, and why is it for organizations so challenging to actually create a great end user experience? Gosh, I mean, uh, I'm trying to recall that particular stat, but let's say an overwhelming number of businesses are really adopting digital-first business practices. We're all connected to each other, our colleagues across the world using 
uh, collaboration tools and uh, online documents and Zoom and Teams and WebEx and what else, right? So it's important to keep these services up and running so that employees are effective at what they do, but more importantly, um, enjoy doing the work that they do because it's so easy to get frustrated and you know, especially when you're wrestling with an, you know, an application or a service that is just slow and preventing you from doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? So that's why it's that important. Now, of course, as you pointed out, Pam, um, service desk teams or out desk teams and network ops teams might be one step removed from the end users, but they're at this pivotal point in which they can truly enable businesses to succeed. They make the difference between success and failure or achieving that extra 10 million in revenue that particular quarter for the company. That's why it's so critical. And this whole space has been largely underserved, right? We've got all these fragmented tools uh, for end-user compute, uh, or rather end-user device monitoring, network monitoring, application monitoring, and everything is its own silo. And that was largely because they were all used by functional teams. The end-user compute teams use the endpoint monitoring tools. The network teams use the network monitoring tools and so forth. But they all need to come together in a very meaningful way to address what matters most, as you pointed out, end-user experience, end-user productivity. Um, that's why the space is largely underserved. Right? That's that, in my personal opinion, to be honest, most customers that I speak to. So I think I, I would be remorse if I did not say to all of my cyber colleagues and peers, um, the security team also feels the pain, right? Um, because in some instances, some of the responsibility for say maybe firewalls move from the networking team to the cyber team, right? So it, it's kind of that that mix of really these cyber networking help desk teams understanding what's happening for an end user. And I think the other thing you really keyed on is so many organizations have really pointed solutions for understanding what's occurring, the tools, right? These tools, they're one-offs. They're looking for specific things with this tool, specific things with that tool. They don't cross groups. So one group ha may have three or four tools, another group, another number of tools. Um, I was once with a financial organization and they did a tools rationalization and they came up with, they started with 16 tools. And I said to the CTO, I said, wow, I am shocked. You only have 16 tools? And he looked at me. I thought he was going to come across the table. He's like, Pam, that is too many. We need to get this down, right? Because it's just not efficient. It's so inefficient, not to mention the cost. And I said to him, I said, so you did your tool rationalization project? He says, we did. And guess what, Pam? We justified the same 16 tools. Hmm. Again, it's that mindset, right? We have to change mindsets in order to start to change. How can we do things differently? Jumping into... Zero trust architecture, a zero trust architecture, you would think fundamentally starts to change someone's thought process, right? If it changes your thought process, ultimately you think that it would start to change how you would actually monitor an end user's experience. Are you finding that or are organizations still trying to shove their old process their old tool sets in place and try to do similar with it Pam, you hit the nail on the head and i was remiss to not mention security teams right because they've got infrastructure that's in line that's on the critical path absolutely um 
But your point around zero trust, there's um, there was a survey that was conducted asking security leaders as to whether they were applying to adopt zero trust. And 97% of them said they were planning to or already are in the process or have already adopted zero trust. Zero trust is coming. It's the tsunami that's going to hit all of us in the IT, op IT operations world, right? Because that's going to change the way in terms of how we monitor what we monitor today. And the biggest fall guy here is the network team, to be honest, because the the core tenet of zero trust is to is to disallow network monitoring tools from being able to get those keen insights that it needs from the endpoint right up to the application. They are blind. They are dead in the water. So to we need to really rethink what the critical criteria is for being able to be successful in zero trust environments, even from a network monitoring perspective. And that's on top of already having to having the need to consolidate all these monitoring silos, right? So this it's the perfect storm that we all need to pay attention to to be doubly successful going forward, right? So that's where uh, companies like Zscaler are investing greatly in being able to offer our customers the visibility they need to be successful, starting with consolidation of telemetry across endpoints, networks, applications, as well as zero trust uh, architectures that sit in between and other cloud proxies that you might have in place. So it's not just Zscaler, but it's also other firewalls and cloud proxies that our customers might use in other instances. And, and being able to provide that unified visibility to security teams, network teams, and service desk teams alike. And sometimes uh, you're probably going to ask me this, but you know, I'll address it ahead of time. <laughs> is <laughs> more data is not necessarily a good thing, right? Because it's it's like more tools and you know uh, mm -hmm. more things to confuse you by. So that's where I think this whole notion of AI comes into play. How can we use AI to process enormous amounts of data and provide insights and answers versus confusing our stakeholders within operations or service desk teams with more things that they might get confused by? So we can talk about that when you want to get to that topic. No, I think it's a perfect time to talk about AI. So please take it where you want to go with it. Okay, uh, let's do it. The, and I'm going to start, I'm going to take it back to where we started, which is end user experience. When employees, our colleagues, your colleagues are frustrated with something that's happening on their devices or unable to get uh, that important document or uh, you know on the cloud, their first line of defense, if you will, is the service desk team or the help desk team or the IT support team. We call them different things, but they're all the same thing, right? So this is where AI is so very important. Most help desk teams or service desk teams, they are meant to be fairly versatile across a wide variety of topics, whether it's issues that impact end user devices, mobile devices, Macs, PCs, you name it, uh, networks, uh, which include their home Wi-Fi networks. And as an aside, during the pandemic, eight out of 10 service desk tickets were all related to home Wi-Fi, which is shocking, <laughs> right? And then if it's not the network, it's the local ISPs that they're relying to connect to connect to the tier one service providers and eventually to the 
operate services that they're trying to connect to. There's so many different things. There are hundreds of ops that take place between the end user's device all the way to the application. And even within the service provider's environment, think about all that data that services teams have to process to identify what the problem is. Traditionally, what services teams did were, all right, end users raised the ticket. I'm going to flag this ticket uh, across the 15 different groups. And hopefully one of them raises their hand and says, yes, this is where the problem is. Think about the wasted effort, the wasted time uh, across IT resources, and not to mention the frustration and the weeks uh, of delay that the end user has to face, right? Now, let's bring it back to AI. Now, if the services teams had the ability to use AI to be able to correlate all that data that's being gathered specific to that incident from the end user's device across the network all the way to the app, and have the machine learning model behind the AI tell it, tell the service desk analyst, this is where the problem is. It's a local ISP issue, right? And then the service desk team can escalate that specifically to the network team to have them resolve it. Or better yet, if it's a Wi-Fi issue, maybe the end user is connected to a 2.4 gig band versus a five gig band, right? It's as simple as the service desk team recommending to the end user to switch bands. That's about it, right? Think about how quickly you put the end user back to work and as a result, positively impacted the business. That's where AI is really important. And that's just the service desk team. The same can be said for network operations teams where they can begin to use these models to gather insights on developing issues that are impacting specific offices, specific regions, specific departments and get ahead of developing issues as opposed to react to uh, issues that are already taking place. We like to call it firefighting. Nobody likes firefighting, right? You want to solve it before it actually happens. Being in California, that's a swear word. We never talk about fires in California. Um, You know, so AI is important. (laughs) So Krish, a couple couple comments. You, You know, you touched on some really important things. One, you know, some of the organi- some some listening may be thinking to themselves because they have experience with monitoring tools that, quite frankly, are not help desk friendly. You know, when you think about it, you know, some of the tools I used in my past organization, you needed a PhD to understand the data. It wasn't for a help desk agent to actually be able to pull something up, look at something, and say, "Oh, this is your problem." So instead, what happened? A ticket would be routed to a group and the group would be wrong or the group was like oh it's not my problem and they keep they would keep ticket hopping and i remember at a point when we started moving to saas based solutions and to to cloud very we had various clouds all over the world we actually put a rule in place that if you were the third group to get if you were the third hop you kept the ticket whether it was your problem or not you own the ticket Right. And usually the third hop was usually my net, poor networking team who owned it. Right. Because they were trying to help everybody else figure out what was really broken. So I think to your point, the Zscaler solution, the, the, the digital experience monitoring has been developed in a way where a help desk agent would really understand what they're looking at to understand what's broken. 
I think the other piece that really we struggled with immensely in my past was how big is the issue? You know, the network team, or for that matter, in many instances now, the security team has taken has their own operations teams. So let's call it the security and networking operations. They're they're really trying to identify how big is the blast, how many users are actually impacted, and sometimes that takes a while. And you're talking, okay, is, is it one user? Are they out of service, or is it two, or is it an entire region? And being able through to your point. Having the data, being able to calculate and understand that data at the speed of light, really, right? To understand all of this is really game-changing for organizations. When you talk to organizations and they're thinking about looking at um, digital experience monitoring, what are some of the key capabilities that you know that you haven't mentioned already, right? Because you've talked about some of them, but what are some of the other key capabilities that they should really think about when they're evaluating a comprehensive digital monitoring solution? I love it. It's a good. It's a good question to help summarize some of these key points. First is it all starts with the data. You need to be able to have a consolidated way to collect all these key points, uh, key telemetry across the entire service delivery chain, from the end user's device, across networks, through cloud proxies, through firewalls, through anything else, right up to the application, irrespective of where the application lives. uh, Whether it's a SaaS-based application, sitting in a private data center, or a private app that's sitting on infrastructure as a service, on one of the key service providers, cloud service providers. So once you've done that, you've got the data, you need to make sense of it. And that's where AI ML comes into play. AI ML should, should really you know, uh, span the distance, if you will, to be able to understand all that data, make sense of it, and provide answers versus 100 more data points. Right. So once you've gotten that, you've now enabled the either the service desk security or the network teams to be able to respond quickly. And that is key, right? It's not, and, and when they respond quickly, uh, when they get the answers they need, but more importantly, when they're able to collaborate effectively. Now let's go back to the previous example, right? Where uh, a ticket was opened, the services team member picks it up and isolates it based upon the answer that's provided within the service desk ticket, that it's a network issue. That service desk employee should be able to easily share that information through an escalation with the network team person, right? And the network team person might be dealing with a firewall issue, right? Who and, and then should be able to collaborate with someone from security. So it brings the band together in a very meaningful way using insights and answers versus, uh, you know, cryptic data, right? That exists across various silos. The, the contrast before, uh, between the before and after that our customers have gone through is immense. It's apples and oranges in terms of comparison. We're talking about mean time to resolution that took weeks to mo- weeks to months to a matter of minutes and hours. The impact is great. So that's that's really key. Now, the backdrop behind all of this is to get that visibility into zero trust. And only Zscaler can offer customers and yourselves who are interested in this topic, the visibility into zero trust environments uh, using AI and uh, doing so by being able to gather data from all these all these 
these points within the service delivery chain. Well, and I think it's an important point to to elaborate a little more on, you know, when you think about Zscaler, and I love this, I, you know, I, I loved it from the day one when I heard that, you know, really we're a traffic forwarding cop, right? Jay Chaudhry, our CEO and founder, he talks about it all the time. Think of a, us as a, as a traffic cop and we are forwarding your traffic. And because we are forwarding your traffic, we understand every hop that traffic actually takes. So what better and who better to be positioned to understand what's happening with that traffic but the traffic forwarding cop, right? I, I just love that Absolutely. analogy. Now maybe someone out there, um, either networking or cyber, is thinking about, okay, we'll talk up a little bit about some of the alerts that are available that an admin can actually, that may signify to an ad, admin that there is a deprecated user or that something is happening in, in you know, that they should be taking action. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. In, in no world should we expect uh, network operations teams or service desk teams to stare at dashboards 24 by 7, right? So layered on top of the AI-based root cause analysis that we have already baked into Zscaler digital experience, our digital experience monitoring product, uh, is the ability to intelligently identify anomalies. I'm, I'm really proud of the way we do it. And, and it's because what's good differs from person to person, from application to application, from office to office, from region to region. For example, a 300 millisecond latency in Calcutta might be might be great, but a 300 millisecond latency to that same application from New York City might be awful, right? So Zscale additional experience is able to calibrate based upon what's normal across every single individual for every single application, across devices, across regions. Um, and, and that really puts it in a position to be able to flag anomalies as soon as it observes it. And uh, it does so by being able to seamlessly uh, bake itself into your existing workflows. For example, if you're a big service ServiceNow shop, if you use ServiceNow for IT service management, it will automatically create a ticket within ServiceNow and provide you an answer as to what's causing that anomaly. So the service desk analysts can quickly route those tickets to the right teams or solve it themselves. Now, the one thing I've held back back on thus far mm -hmm. is um, probably the coolest of the capabilities, specifically when it comes to service desk teams, is the ability for end users to solve the problems for themselves. Right. So Zscaler, any Zscaler customer today has something called the Zscaler Client Connector which is what really secures uh, end users and their devices uh, as they access you know, critical assets and applications you know, within the organization. Now that same lightweight agent called the Zscaler Client Connector has a small AI engine within it. And it's constantly monitoring the performance of your end users device, just the performance, nothing else. It's not spying on you, right? So let's be clear about that. Um, so if you, for example, are experiencing a poor Wi-Fi signal, it's going to flag that with this very non-intrusive pop-up, uh, which shows up on the top right-hand side of your screen if you're on a Mac, bottom right-hand if you're on a PC, saying, hey, your Wi-Fi appears to have dropped in quality, your Wi-Fi signal, that is. Um, click here for recommendations on, on how to solve it. Similarly, if the CPU is running hot, 
is going to tell you, you know, what's causing that to happen, how you can go about resolving it. Maybe Chrome's got too many tabs on, so it's eating up 90% of your CPU cycles, things like that. It's going to give you recommendations to solve that problem. So the resulting benefit of that is end users can fix problems in seconds versus minutes with Zscaler. Um, and better yet, service desk teams can deflect a huge number of tickets, right? They avoid tickets from being created that could have easily been solved by end users themselves. Um, and that's all the power of AI again, and the power of collecting all the data that makes that AI effective. When it, again, going back to your point earlier about the fact of, you know, how do you, how do you reduce the mean time to repair? Which is wonderful because now what we're talking about is not being reactive, it's being proactive. How wonderful that number one, a help desk, let alone, we're, we're going to get to the end user piece and, and that whole, um, I love self-help. But when you look at how wonderful it would be to call an end user or to know that something is occurring before end users start calling. So you already know how to respond. You already, maybe you're reaching out to an end user and you're like, based on the alerts, right? Saying, hey, are you having this problem? How wonderful would that be? And how shocking that end user would be by you calling to say, hey, I know you're having a problem. Let's work on this. That's the first thing. What end user would not love that? And what help desk? How wonderful for the help desk to be able to do that. And now how wonderful, because let's face it, being in a hotel, never know what the Wi-Fi is. Be, you know, people who are traveling, people at home, all their kids, you know, in the evenings, you're trying to get something done and that Wi-Fi, forget it because it is absolutely taxed, right? How wonderful for it to let you know instead of letting an end user get frustrated because something's not working. Hey, it's your Wi-Fi. How simple is that to be able to mitigate it right then and there? Just wonderful. And just game-changing, I think, for organizations and the productivity and the experience for an end user. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about what other new features or enhancements can you talk about that are coming? Okay. Now, I like that you touched upon proactive because that tees me up for the next great capability that's focused on networking teams. Um, we've got this really cool uh, capability called incident dashboards. Now, because, as you said, uh, you, you know, to, to record what Jay, Jay said, we are the traffic cop. We're seeing all the traffic that's taking place. And we've got thousands of customers using our services. Uh, we process more traffic than some of the biggest companies in the world, right, through our, our, uh, our Zscaler cloud, or we call it the Zscaler Zero Trust Exchange. And as a result, we're in this unique position to offer our customers a crystal ball, if I may. They're able to sign on the watchtower and look at everything that's taking place across all the networks that their employees and end users rely upon and begin to see issues and problems and slowdowns and brownouts and whatever else that's beginning to develop across regions, across the globe that might be impacting their employees. They can also go down as far as identifying specific Wi-Fi infrastructure that might be in a specific office affecting specific employees. And better yet, they can even identify which employees were affected. So to your point earlier, they can reach out to those employees saying, 
hey, I don't know if you've noticed it, but looks like you're having issues with the Wi-Fi access point that you're connected to while you're in the office. I'm going to take care of that for you. How powerful is that to be able to be able to see everything and have the answers that you need to resolve them in the most quick and effective manner? Right. Yeah. That's that's the power that incident dashboards puts into the hands of our uh, network operations customers. That is truly game changing. That is game changing where, you know, the poor networking team and, and for that matter, the cyber ops, too. You know, it's 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 a thankless job to keep everything running, right? Usually you're dealing with frustrated users, people yelling at you. What's the problem? What's the problem? And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I don't know. I don't know. I can't find it, right? Because the tools they're using isn't able to home directly into what the circumstance is. So how wonderful to be able to be given that visibility and be able to call a user, help a user, give them a great experience. Yeah, it, it just, wow. I wish I would have had this tool in my former life. <laughs> you you and I, Pam, and most people that I speak to. <laughs> so, uh, Absolutely. And you, you talked about security teams too, right? And I want to give kudos to all our customers and everyone out there that's either using or considering zero trust architectures because you're game changers, right? You are the trailblazers that are pushing the boundaries on how to most effectively operate as secure organizations. And to be honest, 97% of CISOs, as you heard earlier, um, said that they were either adopting or have adopted uh, zero trust. Now, zero trust architectures take a lot of faith because as in the case of Zscaler and many other cloud uh, service providers that offer zero trust, um, it takes a lot of faith to rely upon you know, cloud-based infrastructure to secure your uh, data, your employees, your applications. Um, and that's where visibility becomes even more critical because the moment you take, you make changes uh, such as that, you're going to be a target for any any sort of um, complaints that take place. Hey, your real trust architectures introduce latency. It's slowing things down. But with digital experience, you can immediately say, nope, here's the data, right? But if you've got the right capabilities, you can go one step farther and says, nope, here's the data, but let me tell you where the problem is and how you can fix it. Now, you've not only proven your innocence, but you've become a strategic advisor to all those right teams that are complaining um, as to how they can go about fixing the problem, even if it's in their own, their own domain. It really puts you in this position to be heroes within your organization. Um, so I wanted to leave you with that because I think that was important for security teams. Absolutely. And I could not have said it better. And on that note, Chris, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Pam. And for the record, I can pronounce your last name perfectly. So the next time you do this, you're going to pronounce mine. <laughs> that is fair, for sure. And for all you out there listening, thanks again for joining us for another episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Trust. Take care. Thanks for listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. Statements by Zscaler podcasters and guests are informational only and should never be construed as legal advice. 
You should consult with your legal advisor on matters related to you or your business. Zscaler makes no warranties, express, implied, or statutory as to the content of this podcast, and it is provided as is. Content on this podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are current as of the date of recording and subject to change. These statements are subject to the safe harbor provisions created by the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Full legal disclaimers are available at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Copyright 2022.